0: Welcome to First Mile's Climate Heroes. I'm your host, Bruce Bratley, founder of recycling company First Mile. On this show, we meet and learn from the climate heroes who are building solutions right now to tackle climate change. As consumers, we're increasingly being targeted to spend our money on green services and green products, change our lifestyles, behave in a particular way all in the name of saving the planet. Some of us have embraced this, but many others find it a challenge and often feel they want to do something, but feel very anxious about climate change. And today's guest, Georgina Wilson-Powell, is trying to make sense of our complex eco world. And she's written three books on the subject, one on green travel, the second on green products. And in her newest book, She gives us 365 ways to save the planet by forming new green habits. Welcome to First Mile's Climate Heroes, Georgina. Great to have you on the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So why do we need all these books? Everyone knows climate is a problem. Why do we need all the books and what's the environmental problem you're trying to address with them?
1: Gosh, big question to start. I think why books are important is that there's a lot of eco-anxiety out there. There's a lot of overwhelm out there. And for all of our good intentions, Googling and searching for answers, we can come up with 50 million different replies and 50 million different answers. And I think sometimes it's easier just to have a concise amount of information in a book that you can refer back to, that someone's done the hard work for you, someone's curated the answers, Someone sort of sifted through all the research as well and the data, which can also be overwhelming for a lot of people. Um, and it's just there and you can turn to it and you know decide to act on it or think about it. So it's trying to cut down that time for people because I think one of the big problems, is, as you mentioned, as consumers, is we are bombarded with information. We have very little time. You know, Money is an issue. Time is an issue. So trying to combat all of that with some hints and hacks and tips for people just to get started and feel like they're on their way um i think is a good thing
0: and what was the evolution cuz the the uh your second book which is called is it really green was a little bit of a sort of um fact telling or fact finding mission to find out you know what is you know is it really the right thing to do certain green activities or not and then did you actually find that that was confusing. And what people want is just even, even sort of narrower set of instructions. And, and what was the journey from, is it really green to 365?
1: So the first one was very much a question and answer kind of book. So is it, more, is it really green, you know, or is it more green to use a dishwasher or do the washing up, for example? Um, and it was trying to give very concise answers in a very short space um, using the best available data that we have. Um, but often we ran out of room to kind of advise on actions or what to do with the information that I was presenting. Um, I think we only had about 250 pages for the first book and there was so much we were trying to cover. Um, so it had to be really top line and then sort of you know assumed that people were going to go away and act on it. And with this one, what we wanted to do was A, broaden it out. So it's a really bright and colourful book. It's really, it's full of illustrations, you know, it's really short bits of text. So it broadens the appeal out to anyone that perhaps maybe the first one, you know, put off because it was a more technical book slightly. Yep. Um, whereas this is very action orientated. So every day there is an action that I suggest. And I don't perhaps go into all the background of why the action is needed. We kind of assume that, you know, a lot of this stuff people kind of know, um, but this is one thing that you can do um, to help reduce your carbon emissions and to reduce your impact on the planet. Um, So it's very, you know, short, sharp, quick ideas. A lot of them are free. Um, A lot of them are sort of DIY. Most of them are quite quick. Um, And it was also written, you know, I wrote it last year and it was written really with the cost of living lens sort of over it as well. So, you know, trying to think about, that misnomer that being more sustainable often costs a lot more money. So this is a lot of ideas that don't cost a lot of money.
0: And it's brilliant. You've you've very kindly sent me over the pre release and we'll come on to the release date in a second copy and just scrolling through. There's some great ones in there. Number twenty, resist refilling the paddling pool. <laughs> <laughs> it it looks it looks a good fun read as well.
1: Yeah, I mean some of them are quite light hearted. You know, it's not asking you to change like every single thing that you do all in one go. And a lot of the actions are things that we can do really easily in our day to day life anyway it's just looking at them and going, well, that has a climate impact. you know a lot of these actions as well have a, a saving money impact, so it might be that we're doing them already you know using up more of our leftovers, doing more meal planning, all these kind of things. Well they help the planet as well, so you can kind of tick them off as you go along
0: and there's some controversial ones in here as well I mean I've just gone to number thirty four stop buying bags for life so what's the story there? This is going to be a great podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Bags for Life, they have a great intention, right? The idea is that we buy one and then we reuse it and we never have another bag ever again. But we're all guilty of having about 25 Bags for Life under our sink and we don't use them in the way that they were perhaps intended. They also contain 12 times as much plastic as a single-use plastic bag. So while they last longer, they use more resources. So ideally, stop taking them at the checkout is, is kind of, that's the action.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I've got a cupboard full of them. And it's like, you always kick yourself when you forget to take one with you, really. And it's that sort of ah habit forming thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, quite a few of the, the, the books sort of um, suggestions are sort of reminders and like, just to kind of like, you know, there's a big difference between our goodwill and our good intentions, and then what we actually do at home. So it's it's just trying to nudge people towards, you know, thinking about what we do and being a bit more conscious.
0: And what's the in 365 ways to save the planet? Is there a particular genre that of of sort of eco action that's your favourite or your least favourite? Or is there? I'm sort of going to say what's your what's your favourite action in the book, but well, that might be too too narrow.
1: Do you know what? I I love anything that has a double purpose. So and time saving. So a lot of the ones that you know are DIY or save money, I think, are great green hacks as well because you know, everyone can do them and can do them for different reasons. And it has the same, it has the same outcome, you know, whether you're turning your heating down because you need to save money or whether you're turning your heating down because you want to, you know, reduce your impact on the planet, the outcome is the same. The outcome is still better for the planet. So a lot of those ones I really like. And also there's quite a lot in the book around, you know, reaching out to your community, you know, um, not, you know, reusing libraries if we, if we're not using those and joining community gardens and, starting sort of groups to to take action with other people so that we don't feel so isolated and alone and I think those ones are really important to include because we can feel very overwhelmed and alone in all of this so I think finding you know finding your tribe um, in different ways they're ones that make me really happy.
0: Yeah I mean it's just I'm just scrolling through now it's just brilliant I mean it's got everything from you know reorganizing your pension which sounds quite daunting but just to putting a lid on a pan it's superb so i need to ask what does it say about recycling are we should we be doing this or not what's the view on recycling
1: i don't think anyone's view is let's not recycle um what seems a bit going backwards but very much my view is that recycling is the last line of defense really we need to be reusing and reducing first um and and then recycling is sort of catching what we can't and in those in those sort of other two areas because we all know that recycling is a patchy system unfortunately there isn't a national recycling scheme in the UK it's, it's, it's um, determined by your local council we don't have much transparency on where that recycling goes and there's been quite a lot of, sort of investigations of uncovering um, you know less than ideal um, situations so I think for me yeah recycling isn't it's is a bit passe if that makes sense
0: (laughs) yeah it's definitely definitely end of end of pipe option for dealing with things so i mean people think i'm mad for suggesting people should reduce their waste since we get paid to take it away but actually uh, my view is there's so much of the stuff we're not going to run out anytime soon of things to do so no and again we
1: have we have the best of intentions but um I think there was a study a couple of years ago saying that that half the British uh, households don't actually recycle the plastic that's in their bathroom, even if they recycle plastic that's in their kitchen. So we have these sort of massive blind spots. And I think just reducing our consumption of resources is the biggest one for us to tackle.
0: And, and is there a sort of um, a league table in the in the new book that sort of gives you, if you were going to do Three things first that have got the biggest environmental impact, or are you just sort of trying to get everybody to think about something different each day?
1: So we thought about it, and um, we thought about sort of starting it in January and sort of taking through the year. but then if people buy the book halfway through the year, they might feel like you know, they've got a lot to catch up on kind of thing, so it's literally three hundred sixty five ideas in no particular order. You can start in the middle, you can work your way through, you can pick and choose. Um, But each idea has an impact index with it. So that shows you, you know, if lots of people did make this change, what that would what that would add up to and also your personal sort of contribution. So, you know, if you swap to a more sustainable coffee brand, for instance, you're going to save 200 grams of carbon per cup. You know, so you can immediately see like, oh, that has an impact. I'm going to go for that one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and it's it is, it's fantastic. And then, what's the? Is it really green? What's the? What was the hardest when you were researching? Well, both the books when you were researching them, what was the hardest question to answer in terms of should we actually be doing this? Is it really green? Because quite a lot of the answers to sort of the environmental impact of goods and services is a, a, you know quite often around the context and do, have you just left some things out because they're too controversial and too personal or area specific to get right
1: i don't think we left anything out but i think what's difficult about any of these books is trying to find a solution that's quick and easy that works for everybody and i think you know one thing i think we have to sort of um, acknowledge in in this area is that there are going to be different solutions for different people and every household or every individual is going to have a different carbon footprint made up of different things you know if someone has children if they fly a lot to see family if they don't have a car you know all of our emissions are are caused in a slightly different way so i think we have to be a bit careful about saying you know wagging our finger and and saying the same solutions have to apply for every single person so i think it's about giving people you know a broad range of solutions that they can tap into the ones that are most applicable for them
0: Yeah. And I think that, I mean, the finger wagging is an interesting one because there's often quite a lot of people saying, well, you shouldn't fly and you need to do this. And there's actually, I think what the book does really nice is it says there's so many things to go at, you know, we've got so much work to do to reduce our impact on the planet that. You can start anywhere you like. Um,
1: Absolutely, and I think some people start with the things that make them the most angry or <laughs> the most frustrated. Yeah, you know, yeah. other people start at the at whatever they do the most. You know, so a few years ago, I stopped buying fast fashion, so I only buy secondhand or from ethical brands, and I've, I've kept it up um, since then. But that, to me, was a, a really good way in because I knew I want I didn't want to shop from the high street or from sort of, sort of the lower ends of online retailers anymore and that was something that i worked on over the last few years and you know that was that was a really big area for me but for other people it might be easier to start in the kitchen and i also think so with the, is it really green as well when we first wrote it it was pre-pandemic so a lot of it had to be rewritten in the in the sort of first lockdown when we were trying to figure out are people ever going to go back to the office you know what what does, are people ever going to travel again so yeah that was that was quite stressful with the first book
0: yeah, I can I, I, I can absolutely imagine that. So, Giorgio, what's your journey to writing books around how we can all individually address climate change, which is a brilliantly worthy thing to be doing? How did how, how did you become a climate hero?
1: I'm not sure I'm a climate hero, but that's very kind. Um, so, I spent the last twenty years working in in print publishing and magazines and media, and I used to have a quite glamorous media job that made. I meant to had to travel all over the world. I lived a very unsustainable life. And I got to a certain point and went, I can't carry this on. The, the amount of guilt I felt every time I got on a plane for work was just too much. And I started to look at all of my plastic consumption and the way I was living. And I, you know, I was thinking, well, if I'm doing this, how is this sustainable if everybody's doing this? Or some version of it? So I actually launched a sustainable living magazine called Pebble in 2016, which sadly closed last year, but for for five years, you know, I've been writing features and and articles about every aspect of the sustainability uh, world. And it's been my absolute privilege to to come across so many different companies and innovations that are trying to change the change things for the better. But it's given me a really broad understanding of where we are in lots of different industries, access to a lot of data and just being able to take that very broad scope That consumers really want. I think a lot of people working in sustainability have their expertise in different industries, which is absolutely right. Um, But my expertise is really sort of transforming all of that into ways that is easier for the consumer to understand. And that's really my passion. It's it's championing how we make it easier for individuals to, to tackle all of this.
0: Surely that's a good area to be in. And you've sort of focused in on the goods and services within the home. And, and do you think that's sort of an area that's going to have a, a significant impact over time?
1: I would hope so. I mean, obviously, it isn't all down to the individual. And I think we have to be quite careful putting all of the emphasis on like, you know, it's down to individual consumers, because it's it's got to be come from government, it's got to come from, from businesses and, and industries as well. But I think we do consume too much. We are very convenience-led. We have a, a a very disposable life in the Western world. And that, I think, does have to sort of change. And it doesn't have to change mean sacrifice. I think change just means doing things differently. And there are so many incredible innovations coming through. You know, a lot of things being done with like circular design and end-of-life design, the whole growth in re-commerce, this idea of sort of second-hand goods being you know, resold again and again, and that being a much more normal state of affairs, I think is really, you know, optimistic and hopeful. So I think how we consume is changing. But as we all know, we need to do more and do it more quickly.
0: And what's your view on travel? Because your first book, we haven't really spoken about this, was sort of uh, sustainable travel, and you've worked in the sort of travel writing uh, as as a travel writer. Do we need to change how we travel, how we go on holiday, how we view travel experience
1: i think yes we do i mean travel is a tricky one it would be you know i think before the pandemic i think a lot of people were like oh it'd be brilliant if we could ground all airplanes and never travel ever again and we actually did that and and you know it is possible but on the other hand travel does bring a huge economic benefits to a lot of countries people rely on the travel industry for their for their jobs and their their well-being um so we can't just take all of travel away but I think how we travel if we have the luxury of being able to choose how we travel then I think it is something we have to think about very carefully you know we sort of pledged in our in our household we only do one long haul flight every sort of four or five years we try not to do short haul at all you know we'll try and take the train as much as possible we actually have a camper van so we go away mostly in the camper van and stay off grid rather than staying in hotels so I think where there are choices available and I totally recognize you know some people don't have those choices available i think it is about thinking about how we we just lessen the impact of whatever way it could be and that could be you take a bike tour instead of getting in the car one day or you give money back to a local foundation that supports community work where you are it doesn't just start and end with flights
0: First Mile is the UK's leading waste management service. We help over 30,000 businesses reduce their carbon impact with our award winning range of recycling solutions. Go to our website, which is thefirstmile.co.uk, to get started today. If you're enjoying this episode, don't forget to subscribe. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday. So we talked. A lot about people, behaviour, habits. Do you talk in the books about the role of protest, Extinction Rebellion, Insulate Britain, Stop Oil? Are you you getting people to sort of actively involve around it? You talked about the communities in protest and also around policy. And you've referenced already that we do need governments to change. And is the help for people to show them how they can perhaps become more active in democracy and getting governments to change policy
1: definitely <laughs> definitely um, yeah. in the new book especially there are quite a lot of actions that are i mean the activism i wouldn't say it's about becoming an activist because i know some people find that that's sort of too too much um but definitely like reiterating the importance of voting writing to your mp you know lobbying for change within your local councils i would say it's sort of politics with a politics of the small p you know it's it's very sort of issue based um, actions. But also, as I I mentioned, sort of getting involved in those communities in whatever way you feel suits you. So that could be recognising you have a role to play as an organiser, it could be that you could host someone who's coming to your town for a protest, It's, it's not all about, you know, gluing yourself to artwork and waving placards, although that is something that a lot of people, more people want to do. So I think it's about flagging up how important it is to play an active role in the climate emergency no matter what role that that is
0: where's the public mood where's the readership mood around these issues because you referenced there that sometimes for some people activism is just a step too far Are people sort of still quite passive but they still want to make change are they feeling so anxious they don't make change in case in case they make the wrong decision
1: I think people want a lot of reassurance definitely. I think there's reassurance that what they're doing is right even if we get told lots of different things are right and they, they sometimes they can't all be. I think there is anxiety over what to do for the best and what has the most impact. And I think there is anxiety as well over how how little has changed on an industrial and, and political level. I think people are feeling very frustrated that a lot of protests are sort of falling on deaf ears still. So it's difficult and I think that splits down by generation as well I, you know the younger generations that I've had feedback from you know want to take more action be on the streets more direct action the the older generation don't seem to want too much.
0: But do you think we're going to break through or do you think people are sort of uh retreating you know back from they, they sort of the perception is that being environmentally friendly is going to cost more even it usually doesn't but that may well be the perception.
1: I think it's definitely a challenge. And I think, unfortunately, there are a lot, you know, this word poly crisis or perma crisis keeps coming up and people's attention is split. And and quite rightly so, you know, the cost of living crisis, obviously, the war in Ukraine, um, you know, in the UK, we've been talked about going into recession, I think people are worried in general, and still probably not feeling as resilient as they were, you know, before the pandemic. So I think there's a lot of things competing for people's attention, which is a problem for the environmental world. You know, ideally, all eyes would be on COP. Lots of change would be happening. It would be the biggest thing on the news every day. You know, we would all be heading in the same direction towards sort of net zero in 2030 or 2050. Or, But I think a lot of things are struggling to cut through, and that is a shame. So hopefully going more mainstream and trying to reassure people that, changing for the planet doesn't always mean sacrifice it doesn't always mean more money it doesn't always mean more time is a good message to go with but it, yeah it's frustrating and difficult
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the really nice thing of, of the new book is it's like super positive it's about taking action it's ta- about taking action every day and it's almost like we need to sort of try and get culture to move away from being sort of catastrophizing the climate emergency which if we don't do anything it is going to be a catastrophe but actually to get out of it we need to make some positive changes
1: absolutely and the last few years of my work with the magazine have all been around that positivity so really championing what innovations are happening what's moving forward the breakthroughs the the sort of crazy new products that you know everything from sort of algae that eats plastic to clothes being grown out of oat fibers you know because there is a huge amount of exciting and and incredible work being done and often it does just fall on you know it doesn't reach the the right people because the doom and gloom messages take over so i think there is there is hope there's a lot of hope and there's there's a lot of change that is happening but we still need everybody to play their part
0: yeah and your 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 knowledge I mean just there talk about fibers made out of it is is very, very broad on this, and you've sort of almost become the oracle of uh, environment uh, environmental change and 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 even as you talk, we can sort of tell the journalistic training coming through in terms of how you research. What's the weirdest thing that you've sort of discovered on your on your sort of climate education path
1: um, <laughs> you put me on the spot. there's some kind of bacteria that eats plastic that people are developing that looks really interesting. Um, I find the whole mushroom industry that is mushrooming absolutely incredible. You know, people are building sort of architecture out of out of mycelium and mushroom-derived <laughs> products and things. And I think we've only just sort of scratched the surface on, w- on what that can do for us. Um, so things like that, I think, are, are absolutely incredible.
0: Turning to the f- future, Georgina, what's success look like for you in the next, I don't know, two, five, ten years' time?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, well, I'd like the book to be quite successful in the short term. We're going to come um, back to
0: the book yeah great
1: at the moment I, yeah I'm obviously for the last five or six years I've been involved very heavily involved in one business and I'm now consulting on quite a few different businesses helping people with their communications and and working out what they want to be able to say about the climate emergency and what they're doing. so that's that's really exciting at the moment. I personally want to learn a lot more as you said we we know so little about nature and I've really got interested in sort of the the benefits of of plant medicine and, and things like that so that's that's something I'm starting to explore quite quite a lot I would love to see the UK take a really leading light role in the move to net zero and I think we have an opportunity there to just create a vision that, that everyone wants to be a part of. And I think this is part of the challenge of, of being in the, the climate world. We often tell people all the doom and gloom, but we don't give people an alternative vision of what the future could look like if we, you know, moved away completely from fossil fuels, if we introduced more, sort of more nature into our, our town planning, if we, if we changed everything, what it could look like. And I think, you know, if we, if we did more work around that, I think that would be really positive.
0: Uh, Georgia, I want to talk about the book so everyone can hear about it. What's it called and where can we find it?
1: So it's called 365 Ways to Save the Planet. Um, It's out on the 9th of March. It is in paperback and you can order it from all good bookshops. You can order it from bookshop.org, Hive. And of course, you can get it on Amazon. But I um, I do try and push people towards their local bookshop. And also it's on Audible. um, So if you want to hear me, read it out you
0: can brilliant excellent and you've already you've already done the audible recording
1: yeah that's in the Fantastic. bag that's all done.
0: excellent so you're going to regret this part of the show now which we haven't rehearsed but you you, you sent me a uh, pdf of the book saying Conf- confidential don't broadcast it but we are um we're just going to give the listeners a flavor of a few things in there so if you give me a number somewhere between one and three uh, 365 and we'll see what it is
1: Okay, 171.
0: 171. I'll be amazed if you remember what it is before we get there. 171 is, you can tell us a little bit about how you found out this fact, set up a clothes swap.
1: Ah, okay. Yes. So trying to find lots of solutions for people not instead of buying new. Um, So swapping clothes is a really great way of keeping clothes in circulation for longer. And if you keep them in circulation and not in the bin for an extra nine months, then it saves thirty percent of the carbon emissions that was used in the manufacture. So just the simple act of swapping clothes to your friends and family is a brilliant one.
0: Amazing. And you even got the percentage right. I'm very, I am very impressed. Okay, next number.
1: Okay, sixty-three. Just picking numbers out of the sky.
0: <laughs> Let's see switch your search engine. Oh, great one. So you can generate funds to plant one tree. Tell us about this.
1: So obviously, most people use Google to search. um, But actually, you can use another platform called Ecosia. And what Ecosia do is all of the advertising revenue that they make from when we are online on searching, they put into a fund and they plant trees with all of the profit. So I think they have planted like six or seven million trees in the last few years. It has a huge impact. And all you have to do is install a browser extension on your computer. That's it. Brilliant,
0: Absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to pick one last one. Here we go. Plant your own onions, um, 161, saving approximately 28% of an onion's carbon emissions. How does this work?
1: So thinking about all the things that we eat every day, Onions is one of those those very staple foodstuffs, and generally they come. If you go into the supermarket, they come in that netting or they come in soft plastic. Um, and actually, they're really easy to grow. Um, so while you might not be able to grow enough to see through the whole year, you know, having a go at growing your own, I think a it's a nice thing to do. It saves on plastic. There's no food miles, obviously, because you've grown them on your windowsill or in your in your garden, um, and also just gives you a bit of an appreciation for for how your food is grown in general.
0: So last one, because I've just seen it and it's about recycling. Ball up your foil. I wish everybody did this.
1: Yes. So what people a lot of people don't realise is that when you throw away little bits of foil, um, it's too small to be uh, recycled. It just slips through the net. So actually a really simple thing to do is just as you use it over the month, ball it up into a ball that's the size of your hand and then to put it in um, the recycling so that it cannot be missed.
0: Brilliant. I think it's given the, the listeners a great, a great taste of it. It's a brilliant book, actually. I've just sort of been flicking through it here on the PDF. 365 Ways to Save the Planet. Leave it in your kitchen. Leave it around the house, and everyone can dip in and out and, and read it. some great things in there, so thank you. Hopefully, it is a huge success for you. On this show, we're building a Hall of Fame for climate heroes and we always ask our wonderful guests to leave something in First Mile's Climate Heroes Hall of Fame. So what or who would it be?
1: Well, I was thinking about this and I I had I had two options in my Hall of Fame. I'd quite like to put everybody that makes a difference or everybody that just starts doing something today, because I think it does take courage to, to change your behaviours um, and do something different. Or it would be the humble mushroom, because I'm a bit obsessed at the moment.
0: Excellent. A little mushroom. Perfect. So, Georgina, we ask all of our guests if they can have a one-to-one with Rishi Sunak, and we're hedging our bets, Sakir or Sakir Starmer. What is the one key message that you would land on them?
1: Do you know what? I think at the moment it's to make all of the permissions around on-site wind and solar so much easier because we keep going backwards and forwards on this issue with whoever is in power around the fact that you know farmers don't want solar and we can't have on site on land wind and both those don't seem to be very true so i think just deregulate that bit and let's let's get those solar farms and wind farms going
0: perfect and georgina before you go um can you just tell us your website where if people want to learn about you obviously they can find the book through bookstores but if they want to know a little bit about georgina what is your url
1: so it's very simple. My URL is georginawilsonpal.com um, and you can find me on all socials at georgina underscore WP.
0: Perfect. Georgina, it's absolutely fantastic having you on First Months Climate Heroes. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and best of luck with the buck.
1: Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm Bruce Bratley, and you've been listening to First Miles Climate Heroes, where we meet incredible people making an impact to tackle climate change. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe to the show. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday.